You're listening to the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey, a leading multi-platform audio content and entertainment company. Listen on the Odyssey app. For the ANA Champions of Growth Podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Putting up a paywall and gating most of their content is the norm among many publishers who rely on subscriptions to monetize their content. The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, and The Atlantic are just a few of the top media brands that ask you to pony up after reading a few articles gratis. However, The Guardian, the British Daily, has a different model, one that relies heavily, but not solely, on advertising to help pay the bills. Relying on ads, of course, puts a bigger onus on The Guardian to provide its advertisers with brand safety. With that in mind, The Guardian recently announced that it is working with a contextual ad firm, Aluma, to come to more equitable terms for both parties for monetizing contextual data taken from The Guardian's website. Louise Romero, Senior Vice President of Advertising for North America, The Guardian US, says the deal affords marketers an unfiltered and fully transparent view of users, while at the same time preserving the voice of The Guardian's journalist. The agreement also improves precision when it comes to informing marketers exactly what context their advertisers will appear in. Romero joins me now to unpack the Illuma deal. We also talk about the phasing out of third-party cookies, the demise of BuzzFeed News, and what it means for marketers to go beyond digital advertising. Louise, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Excited to be here. Wanted to begin with a bit of news. The Guardian announced late last month that it is working with the contextual ad firm, Illuma, that has agreed to more equitable terms for both parties when it comes to monetizing contextual data taken from the Guardian's website. Can you unpack the deal and what it means for marketers? You know, as marketers prepare for the removal of third-party cookies from Chrome, we've seen a renewed interest in the value of unique premium audiences like the Guardians. Instead of chasing individuals across publishers based on interest and sometimes questionable data collection practices, this is a more surefire way, understanding of the audience available to marketers directly from us, the publisher. We know conceptual isn't a new way to buy audiences, but with increased privacy concerns highlighted by regulators and technology developers, a publisher's innate understanding of their audience becomes more valuable to our marketers. We've seen the struggle Uh, Some of the sites, new sites struggling to keep afloat and they're solely reliant on one revenue source. Luckily for us at The Guardian, we have several revenue sources, including the all-important ad line. So we think this Aluma deal kind of makes it official, our approach of seeing more open-ended respect for publisher ID, especially from those who benefit from it. We want to keep the open web available to everyone without the need to paywall, without the need for subscriptions. And we feel that it's a good value exchange for everyone involved. For us, certainly as a content creator, for marketers, our partners, and for our readers. What does this deal with Aluma mean in terms of ad campaign effectiveness? And how do you think it plays into the demand for brand safety among ad buyers? As opposed to some other contextual solutions that scan our pages and then filter their understanding of the author's intent through their taxonomies or their algorithms, the link between The Guardian and Aluma affords marketers an unfiltered view. 
It's really a fully transparent view, and it really preserves the intent and the voice of the Guardian's journalists, which is paramount to what we do. We feel that this increased accuracy improves precision when it comes to informing marketers of exactly what context their advertising will appear in. From a brand safety standpoint, the Guardian already employs pretty stringent controls to prevent advertising from appearing next to tragedies that we have to cover on a daily, sometimes twice daily basis. With that combination, we feel that the Guardian is unquestionably safe. As to whether the Guardian's content is always brand suitable, this is really a question that we work hand in hand with marketers and why we feel working directly with us is the best way to address this issue. We're equally as interested in making sure there's alignment between our brand and the marketer's brand. There's nothing in it for us if we don't do that. But we feel this deal with Luma provides our buyers with a complete picture of the context in which their advertising will be shown without reinterpretation, without that filter. And it means that they can make those decisions with the highest confidence. As third-party cookies begin their slow descent, is the deal a possible model to generate first-party and zero-party data? Third-party cookies, its hyper-targeting capability will become rarer and rarer without the direct involvement of publishers. So enter or re-enter context, which is a baseline level of data for all publishers and should be foundational in any marketer's decision process. We hope that opening up access to our raw contextual data to buyers, by doing that, they'll see a baseline improvement and a developed appetite for more sophisticated, direct endeavors with us. And I know it's early days, but how are your advertisers responding to the changes? And what's involved in terms of the education curve? Is it across the spectrum when it comes to buyers and getting educated about this deal? So far, the announcement was well-received by advertisers. I look at it as a proof-of-concept study, something that will get globalized, and it just brings additional clarity and precision at a time when a huge wealth of data is soon to become unavailable to our buyers. As we get that data in terms of education, we'll certainly share it through every process point of investment, certainly with our client partners and with their agencies and with the day-to-day buyers as well. As we head into a short break, I want to get your take on the demise of BuzzFeed News, which was all the rage not too long ago and is now about to close. What do you think that says about ad-supported news sites in general? Diversification of revenue streams is an absolute must to exist. That's important to all of us in this business. As I read more, I'm sure there were other issues. They're part of a larger portfolio that includes many other types of sites. Was there a focus there? We only do one thing at The Guardian, and so we don't have that issue. Stay with us. There's more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding Greater Good Magazine. Greater Good covers a wide array of brands and organizations that are looking to do good for humanity. Stories run the gamut, from a program sponsored by Chipotle to reduce food insecurity, to the eco-initiatives of the U.S. Postal Service, to the New York Islanders providing funding for canines to become guide dogs. The publication is designed to inspire marketers along with the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publication at www.ana.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.net slash champions of greater good. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Luis Romero, Senior Vice President of Advertising for North America at The Guardian about brand safety and how publishers are working with advertisers to create more transparency. Luis, with the fall of BuzzFeed and Gawker and some other somewhat snarky websites, do you sense more of a flight to quality among advertisers in this state we're in, in which case the Guardian is in an enviable position? In this current state, there's definitely a flight to quality that we're sensing from our partners. The downfall of the snarky websites, I think there's always a flight to quality whenever there's a downturn in the economy. People just want to spend their dollars more wisely. I mean, I hope they're always doing that, but I think they're really focused on quality. It's either that or they're looking for performance-driven campaigns. At The Guardian, as you say, we're in an enviable position. We're clearly in the quality business, uh, given our exclusive audience, their engagement with our site, the quality of journalism that we have, and the branded work we do for our advertisers. They all speak of qualities. Our readers are not likely to have read BuzzFeed or Gawker. They're also less likely to read quality news sites like the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the Wall Street Journal. We just have a very exclusive premium audience. In light of this unpredictable economy and looming threat of a recession, what's your sales proposition right now with ad buyers who may be a little skittish when you talk about brand safety and ad adjacencies? As a news and information site, we're always having the conversation about brand safety and advertising adjacencies. As I noted earlier, uh, we're in the business of covering whatever is happening in the world and what that means to our readership. The sales proposition is that we're inherently brand safe. We're not the middle or the tail end of the web if you're buying it. We're not snarky, certainly. We're not sensational. We're the guardian and we have facts and data to support everything we do. There's an assumption that brands who advertise around news topics will be subject to negative consumer sentiment about their brands and perhaps about their products and services. We've seen that the opposite is true. We did a recent study and we asked a lot of questions, but the most general basic question as it relates to this is, does advertising on trusted news sites negatively impact a brand's reputation. And I'm here to tell you that close to 70% of our readers said that advertising on trusted news sites does not negatively impact their views of the brand. There are a lot more specifics behind that. We felt good about that. And we're constantly doing this sort of research of our readers about how they feel about brands. Because we want to know not only, obviously, for our marketers and brand partners, but also for our readers. We want to make sure there's an alignment with the types of marketers and the types of campaigns we bring onto the site. This study also said that there is a halo effect in both terms of consumer sentiment and brand lift of our marketers that are a premium new site like ours uh, incites. So it could actually be really helpful for marketers to be around news and information sites. Where should marketers go if they want to get a copy of that study? They should reach me at luis.romero at theguardian.co.uk, and I'd be happy to share that with them. Speaking of alignment, how are you building on sales and marketing alignment to make things easier and more measurable for ad buyers? How to improve what can often be a fraught relationship? Investment leads have many choices given the state 
of media. We work hard to provide solutions that include editorial alignment sponsorships. For example, we have one coming up for the Women's World Cup. We offer branded content solutions for those who are looking for more bespoke offerings. We're always looking for ways to make things easier and more measurable for our advertisers on a daily basis for any campaign, for our display media, for branded content campaigns. We're always providing brand lift studies via brand metrics. We're always benchmarking our findings regularly to ensure there's relevancy. And we also monitor brand lift on campaign targeting, takeover types on the Guardian, on the Guardian site verticals, just to optimize targeting strategies. We have daily brand lift studies. In addition, for higher dollar revenue campaigns, we also look at things like Lucid and Kantar. We always work hand in hand with marketers to kind of prove out the effect that we're having on their campaigns. Is it more of a sort of pod model with sales and marketers interacting frequently and closely as opposed to two ships passing in the night? definitely the pod model. You have to be in that sort of relationship nowadays. And for us, again, talk about premium quality. We, we don't want to be the passing ship. What's your ad subscription ratio right now? And what's the trajectory? We don't have a traditional advertising subscription model. We're owned by a trust that was established in the UK over 150 years ago. Its sole objective is to keep us going in perpetuity. In addition, we have other revenue streams. And in order of smallest to largest, the first one is philanthropic donations. Donors like the Gates Foundation, the Ford Foundation, who get involved to help support independent journalism. The second and much, much larger is advertising. And then the third is our reader revenue. These are donations made by our readers, as small as $5 and as high as six figures. In terms of trajectory, we see significant upside for each one of these models over the next three years. Here in the US, we're in growth mode. We feel that every one of these buckets will continue to grow. And as we start to wrap up, Earlier, we talked about this notion of going beyond digital advertising. What do you mean by that? We're looking at, I guess, traditional ways of reaching new audiences and having our advertisers go along with us. For us, that means developing new newsletters, new products. I know we're going to talk about events and taking a look at podcasts. Now, all these areas are not necessarily new. So we will be selective. We'll be mindful of what's already out in the marketplace. And in regard to events, what are some of the ways you are cross-pollinating the online publication with your events, particularly with most people viewing COVID in the rearview mirror and wanting to return to live events, get out into the field? What's new there? We definitely want the Guardian environment to grow where it makes sense. We started off here in the States as a print publication over 11 years ago. We quickly stopped the print side of the business and went digital only um, over the last nine years. And we think there's an opportunity and an appetite to do more and really grow the Guardian environment. An event for us will make sense not only for our marketing advertisers, but also for our readers. We want to make sure there's a reader component 
what kind of value would they get out of it? What kind of value would our advertisers get out of it? And what kind of value will our editors and journalists get out of it as well? For us, it needs to be kind of a win-win-win situation across the board. So we want to bring live journalism back to The Guardian. Ideally, this happens at all the events, small and large. But in addition, there are times where we will do just trade events just bring us closer to the advertising community because I think there's still a lot of brand awareness that needs to happen with our marketers and our advertising investment uh, communities and or with our peers. There can be a lot of learnings coming from people in the news and information world and specifically in the purpose world, which is what we're really all about. When you talk about trade events, are you talking about perhaps tapping more into the B2B sphere? We're definitely looking at a B2B. We have a clear purpose, which is the business of purpose. When you think about DEI and sustainable and purpose messaging, we want to make sure that we're leading in B2B events and participating in them as well. And we'll have to leave it there. Louise, thanks so much for joining me to take some time to chat. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, for inviting me. You bet. Check out The Guardian's news coverage at theguardian.com. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining me. This has been a presentation of the ANA Podcast Network, powered by Odyssey.